Well, once again, good morning. This morning we are continuing our sermon series on the life of David. So if you're visiting with us, we're in the middle of a sermon series called David, a man after God's own heart. Over the past few weeks, we have seen our giant slaying shepherd boy go from a national war hero to a man on the run. Last week, we looked at how David had lost everything in his life, everything that he cherished most in this life. He lost his position, meaning he lost his relationship with the, be- the people. He lost his wife. He had to flee from her. He lost his friend, Jonathan. He lost his mentor, Samuel. He lost his dignity when he went into that enemy Philistine camp. David had hit rock bottom. David had gone from dining at the table of the king to living as a homeless man in a cave. David is now a cave dweller. He's living in a dark, damp, dreary, creepy, lonely place. Can you imagine finding yourself in such a place? When I was a kid, I would have no problem walking into a cave and checking it out. After all, one of my superheroes growing up was Captain Caveman. How many of you remember Captain Caveman? Okay, this ran like late 70s, 77 to 80. Some of you weren't born yet. Some of you are too young. Or some of you may even be too old to remember Captain Caveman. But Captain Caveman, um, he was stalled out inside of this cave. He was this long-haired man that carried around a, 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 a club. And then he also would hide um, superhero tools inside of his hair. So anytime he was fighting a crime, he would be able to pull into his hair and pull out whatever tool he needed to help fight that crime. In the opening credits, he is called the first superhero. So long before there was Black Panther or Captain America or Spider-Man or Iron Man, there was Captain Caveman. And if you ever saw that, he opened up, um, the, the, the cartoon would open up with him holding up that cave or that club and he would yell out, Captain Caveman. Remember that? That's great. Uh, Emma, you would have had to be there to, to really remember that. But um, when I was younger, okay, I would have no problem going into a cave, all right? But now that I am older, there is not a chance that I'm going inside of a cave. The reason is because those places have snakes, they have spiders. In some places, there might be bears or mountain lions. There's not a cave that I've ever known that didn't have bats. And those things are full of creepy, crawling things that just wig me out, all right? But we find our hero this morning in such a place. How many of you have ever gone to a natural cavern? Like the first, I remember the first cavern that I ever went to was, um, that I remember was Carlsbad Cavern in New Mexico. I remember there's this one part within that cave. I was pretty young, but I still remember um, this one part where they set all of us down and then they turned out the lights. It was so dark in that place, you could not even see your hand in front of you. And some of you have gone to caves and they've done that. It's, it's incredible to experience that. But David would find himself in such a place. David had lost everything. He was on the run. He could not find shelter in his own land. He could not find shelter in the camp of his enemy. He could not um, find shelter anywhere. So he finds the only place that he can lay his head, which is this place um, at Adullam. It is the cave at Adullam. 
only place that he could find shelter. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 22. We're going to read verses 1 through 5 together this morning, but we're really just going to cover the first three verses um, this morning. But 1 Samuel chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. I'll give you just a moment to find it if you have your Bibles. These are the words that we read. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone was in distress. And everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. And David went from there to Mitzvah at Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. And he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Then the prophet Gad said to David, Do not remain in the stronghold. Depart and go into the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. Here is what I hope all of us will see this morning. We can't live life from inside of the cave all of the days of our lives. If you find yourself inside of a cave this morning, let me encourage you to begin now figuring out how to climb out of your cave. Our first point this morning is this. David was broken. The first part of verse 1 says, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. If you remember last week, where did David depart from? He departed from the land of Gath, okay? The city of Gath. It was a Philistine stronghold. It was from that city that the giant Goliath was from. So David had no business being there. Should never have been there to begin with. But yet he went there looking for shelter. And he would leave from there because he was rejected even within that city. And he would leave a depressed, lonely man. And he would find shelter in the cave of Adullam. David had hit rock bottom. Our biblical hero, this young man who had slayed Goliath, the man who had risen to fame, This shepherd boy who was chosen from all of the other men on the planet to be the next king of Israel, the man God declared as being a man after his own heart, has gone from acting like a madman in the presence of his enemies to living alone in a cold, damp, musty cave. He is broken, he is hurting, he is lonely, and he feels defeated. He had gone from living in a palace to living in a cave. And now David is at a crossroads in his life. He could wither up and die inside of that cave, or he could find his way out, dig his way out, and become the man that God had created him to be. David would find out inside of that cave cave, who he is, and he would also find out whose he is. Yes, everything of human value to him had been stripped from him. But what was most important would be renewed inside of that cave, and that was his relationship with the Lord. From inside of that cave, there are um, a few different psalms that we are able to read 
and know that these were psalms that David had written from inside of the cave. And one of those is found in Psalm 142. And if you have your Bible, you can flip over there. we got the Scripture also up on the screen. But imagine David from inside of that cave. Imagine him being at rock bottom and beginning to climb himself out of that cave. And imagine him writing these words. He says, With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see. There is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, Lord. O Lord, I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Here's what I want us to know this morning. We all will go through times like this in our lives. All of us, and if we haven't yet, we will, have experienced great times of loss in our lives. Marriages have ended relationships have ended, friendships have ended, loved ones have passed away. There has been the loss of positions, loss of communities, loss of trust from others. There has been times of loss of resources. If these things have not yet happened to you, wait. Unfortunately, there is a very good chance that they will. Think about Job. Job lost everything in his life. He lost his children. He lost his wealth. His body had sores all over it. Job's own wife said to him, curse God and die. This man lost everything, yet that which was most important he did not lose. He did not lose his integrity or his faith in the Lord. Sometimes we use caves as a crutch to hide from our problems. David did that very thing. But David also would learn to climb out of that cave. I said it last, last week. It's okay to run. It's okay to seek shelter. It's okay to get alone. But it's not okay to remain there for a, for a long period of time. David did not. He would experience a renewed faith from within that cave. In Psalm 142, we get a picture of his emotions that he was going through. Do you notice what he did? He cried out to the Lord from within that cave. He complains to the Lord and tells the Lord exactly how he feels. He tells the Lord from within that cave that no one cares for him. He's having a pity party from within that cave. And we've all been there, haven't we? And then he sees himself as a prisoner and asks the Lord to deliver him from that prison that he is in. David is broken, he is hurt, he is in pain, and he's crying out. 
He is even complaining to God. Some will tell you that it is never, you, you should never complain to God. You should never cry out to God in, 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 in anger or cry out to God and ask him why. I disagree with that. There have been more than one occasions in my life when I have asked God why. I remember after Connor was born and leaving from the hospital and going home and picking up a few supplies for Danny. On the way home, I cried out to God and I asked him why. You know, why would he have to go through the surgeries that he was going to have to go through? Why would he have to go through the pain and the recovery that he was going to have to deal with? Why, why, why is what I did. After my mother-in-law passed, I asked God why. After my mom passed, I asked God why. It's okay to ask God why. It's okay to cry out to God. But it is important for us to understand our position. He is God and we are not. He is the creator and we are the created. David cried out to God, but he never forgot his position within this world. And us too. We can cry out to God. We can ask God why, but it's important for us to understand our position within creation. David would learn through his suffering how to lean upon the Lord. How about you and me? Has our suffering taught us how to lean upon the Lord, or has our suffering caused us to blame him or run from him? David would learn to lean upon the Lord, and he would learn to trust in the Lord. Here's what I love about this story. Here's what I love about David. David would go from a broken man to a man that was surrounded. Notice the, the, again in our focal passage, the latter part of verse 1 says, And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Understand this. The Lord is enough. He is always enough, and he is always more than enough. However, the Lord has also created us with a need for physical relationships, relationships with family, relationships with friends. And following his resurrection, he, he gave us the church so that we would have one another. You know, Proverbs 27, 17 says, the iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. The Lord provides David with some ironclad relationships from within that cave. The first one that we see is that David is going to be strengthened. He's going to be strengthened by his family. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. You know, I love how the Lord brought to David some of his greatest critics. I mean, think about um, David, this shepherd boy. Think about one of his greatest critics in the early days was his father, Jesse. Okay, If you remember, in 1 Samuel 16, 11, Samuel goes to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king. There are seven men, seven boys that Jesse had. Six of those boys, young men, are lined up before Samuel. 
and, 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 and Samuel immediately thinks Eliab is going to be the next king of Israel. But the Lord made it abundantly clear to Samuel that Eliab would not be the next king of Israel. In fact, he said, none of these are going to be the next king of Israel. Is there another son? And, 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 and Jesse said, well, there's the youngest son. And we see here in verse 11 of 1 Samuel 16, 11, Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Jesse tells Samuel that the youngest, which this word youngest means the most insignificant, the runt of the family, the shepherd boy of the family. He's still um, around, but he's out tending to the sheep. So Jesse automatically disqualified David from ever being the next king of Israel. But notice who comes to David's aid whenever he needs someone the most, his family, his father, his mother. And then we also see that his brothers would come to him. And again, Eliab would, would be one of David's probably greatest critics in the early days. He was passed over as being the, the, the next king of Israel. He was the older son, so he deserved it. He thought to be the next king. When David would go down to, before he fought the giant Goliath, it would be Eliab that would come um, and question David's motives for being there. And Eliab and his brothers, other brothers would come to his aid. David's family would come to him assuring him that they believed in him. Jesse clearly would learn to see that his son was God's redeeming agent, that he would be Israel's Savior who would help point the hearts of the people back to God. His father saw that, his brothers saw that, and others would see that as well. Sometimes when we are in the cave, we need people to surround us and tell us that they believe in us, don't we? We need that encouragement. And there's other times that we know people are in a cave, and we need to go to them and encourage them and lift them up. Who do you know this morning that needs support while they find themselves in the cave of Adullam? In Galatians 6, 2, we read, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are to bear one another's burdens. All throughout the New Testament, we read of the one another passages. And one of those things that we do as a church is we bear one another's burdens. We encourage one another. We come alongside one another to help them during their times of need. Notice next. David would be strengthened by outcast. In verse 2, we read, And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. Do you see who came to David's aid here? The distressed. Those who were under great stress and under great pressure themselves came to David. Those who were in debt, those who were unable to pay their bills, probably to King Saul, were would come to David. Those who had been bitter in soul, those who had been mistreated and done wrong, would come to David's aid. These are the men who had come to him to offer up support. And I will assure you that these were not some of Israel's finest men that came to, to gather around David. 
You know, I'm reminded of our story last week with King Gath, what he said um, to his men when David came into his presence and acted like a madman. Again, in 1 Samuel 21, 14 through 15, we read, Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see, the man is mad. Why, why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? The king of Gath had enough madmen in his kingdom. He did not need one more. David had enough problems of his own. He did not need the bitter, the distressed, and the debtors to come to his aid. Yet those are the people that God chose to bring to David to help pull him out of the cave that he was in. This reminds me of the 12 men that Jesus chose to be his disciples. Think about those 12 men. He didn't choose the religious leaders, did he? Didn't choose the Pharisees and the scribes, those that knew the word of God backwards and forwards. No, he chose the fishermen. He chose tax collectors. He chose zealots. One man was a thief and would betray him. These are the kind of men that Jesus chose. And 11 of those men would go on and change the world for all of eternity. Folks, the Lord knows what he is doing, doesn't he? The Lord knows what he is doing. We might not know it, but the Lord knows what he's doing. Sometimes we may question, Lord, why are you surrounding me with all these misfits? The Lord knows what he is doing. Notice also that David would be strengthened by these broken people. Another psalm that David would pen from within that cave was Psalm 57. Notice these words that David writes. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destructions pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. Selah, God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your steadfast love is great to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. David is learning to praise the Lord again from within that cave. He is learning to trust in the Lord and is being renewed by the Lord and strengthened by the Lord. Again, it is okay to run. It is okay to hide out for a season. But it is not okay to remain inside of that cave. David would eventually find his way out of that cave. And you know what would happen with David? David would be renewed. In verses, the second part of verse 2 we read, And he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. David had lost his position, his wife, his mental, his friend, and his dignity while in Gath. 
But David would return to the Lord, and he would dig himself out of that cave and would return to being the leader that God had ordained him and set him apart to be. David would take this band of misfits and he would turn them into warriors. He would train them, he would equip them, he would prepare them, and he would renew their purpose in life. He allows those that restored him to be restored by him. I love that. He allows those that restored him to be restored by him. And in 2 Samuel chapter 23, we read of how David took these misfits and turned them into mighty men. In verse 8, we read, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. And it goes on and lists some of the men that were a part of David's army. David would take these misfits, these that were in debt, these that were in distress, these that were running away from their own problems, and he would turn them into mighty warriors, mighty warriors of his, but more importantly, mighty warriors of God. David is going to be used of God to help return the heart of the people back to God, and all of this will begin to take place within that cave. We can remain in our caves and wither and die, or we can climb out of our caves and begin to live. Many of you remember the story of the 33 Chilean um, miners that got caught inside of that mine. But there's a book that's out, and I came across this illustration, but it's Deep Down Dark is the name of the book by Hector Tobar. And he tells a story of these men who were buried some 2,000 feet underground in 2010. They were trapped in a large space, including a room that they would call the refuge. They had no idea if anyone would ever come for them. On August the 5th, a Christian man by the name of Don Jose Henriquez turned to a fellow miner named Mario and whispered, God is the only way out of this. Before the miners, Mario announced, Don Jose, we know you are a Christian man, and we need you to lead us in prayer, will you? Hector Tabar explains what happened next. From that moment forward, Henriquez became known as the pastor to his fellow miners because as soon as he opens his mouth and begins to talk, it is clear that he knows how to speak of God and to God. Enrique drops to his knees and tells the men they should do the same. Because when you pray, you have to humble yourself before your creator. He prays these words. This is just a few of those words. We aren't the best men, but Lord, have pity on us. Jesus Christ, our Lord, let us enter into the sacred throne of your grace. Consider this moment of difficulty of ours. We are sinners and we need you. We want you to make us stronger and help us in this hour of need. There's nothing we can humanly do without your help. We need you to take charge of this situation. Please, Lord, take charge of this. These men found themselves inside of a man-made cave. This cave would be their home for some three months. They would be tested they would go with just a morsel of food. They would be challenged. They could have given up. 
Their, but their faith in the Lord would be that which helped them stay alive. It is said that not only did some of those miners place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but some of their family members that waited outside of that mine also placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Because David did not remain in that cave, he would be used of the Lord to turn the hearts of Israel back to God. Folks, the Lord also wants to use you and me to help turn the hearts of people to God. All of us have been called that are believers to do that very thing. We can accept the call and be a part of the story. We can rise up and take hold of the Great Commission and go into all the nations and preach the gospel. One of the men that would be rescued from that cave declared these words. He said, freed from hell to hope. Each of those men would be raised out from the pit of that mine inside of this steel cage that would take about 50 minutes for a return, a round trip. And each of those caged capsules, each man in that caged capsule would surface to the, the above ground. And it is as if each man was given a new life, as if they were saved, as if they were delivered and reborn. That is what happens when you and I come out of our caves as well. We experience a renewed sense of purpose, a new hope for life, a new renewed clear vision, mission. You know, there's some keys that I want us to look at as we close this morning. And a few of these came from, from um, Chuck Swindoll, the first three. But notice this. David hurt enough to admit his need. I think all of us need to get to that point in our hurt and in our sorrow to admit that we need God. That's what David did. David was honest enough to cry out to God for help. He didn't try to fix all of his problems on his own. He knew that there was only one person that could help him get out of that cave, and that was the Lord. David was humble enough to lean upon God and to learn from God. And we see this man after God's own heart do that very thing. His life would be a life full of learning, wouldn't it? Yeah, he's going to mess up, and he's going to mess up badly, and we're going to see other times that he messed up in the coming weeks. But we're also going to see a man that was over and over broken because of his sin and repentful. David was humble enough to learn from God and to learn from his mistakes. And also David was hopeful enough to lean upon others. David learned to lean upon his family. He learned to lean upon his friends. And ultimately, again, he would learn to lean upon the Lord. How about you this morning? Have you learned to lean? Have you learned to lean upon the Lord? Have you learned to lean upon others, the church, friends, and family? If not, what is keeping you from leaning? Folks, some of us know people right now that are inside of that cave. We know people that need us to go to them and to strengthen them 
just as David's family and friends came to him to strengthen him. If you know somebody that's inside of that cave, we must go to them. If you um, need somebody to come to you while you're in that cave, please have enough courage, okay? Because it may take courage for you to ask for help. You shouldn't have to ask for help. But if you need help, ask for help. Don't remain trying to do this life on your own because you can't. You weren't intended to do life on your own. That's why we were given a support system called family and church and friends and others. You may be here this morning and there is a decision that you may need to make. I don't know what that decision might be. You may be here this morning. The Lord is leading you to place your faith and trust in Him. If you were to die today, you don't know where you'd spend eternity. And I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. And that is to cry out to Jesus and ask Him to forgive you of your sins and ask Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. You may be here this morning. You've been visiting this church a while. And the Lord is leading you to make friendship your church home. We'd love for you to come and do that this morning. You may be here this morning. You may need to come to this altar and kneel down and pray. You may know somebody in this room that the Lord is saying, hey, you need to go pray for that person because that person needs prayer. Or you may be in this place this morning. You need somebody to pray for you. After this service is is over, I'm going to be in our prayer room, and, and I would love to pray for you. Or if you need somebody in this room to pray for you, feel free to go to them and say, hey, will you pray for me this morning? I need prayer. I don't know how you need to respond during this time of invitation, but in just a moment, we're going to stand together. Um, our, our instruments are going to play, and we're going to spend some time in prayer and reflection. You come if you need to come. You go if you need to go. Whatever the Lord is leading you to do, you do. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning just thanking you for your word. Thanking you for, Father, just a picture of a life that is broken. The humanity that we see in your word, Father, was on full display today. David truly did hit rock bottom. And sometimes, Father, all of us have to hit rock bottom before we learn to trust in you. David would hit rock bottom and then he would learn to trust in you. Father, this wouldn't be something that he just learned to do overnight. It was a daily process in his life, as it will be in all of our lives as well. Father, I know that in a room this size, that some of our faith family, Lord Jesus, this morning finds themselves inside of a cave. They've been in that cave for, for a number of months and maybe even a number of years. And Father, if it's time for them to come out of that cave, Lord, make it abundantly clear to them this morning. Father, I pray that if there's someone here in this room that has yet to place their faith and trust in you and repent of their sins and cry out to you to be the Lord and Savior of their life, I pray that this morning they'll do that very thing. I don't know how or what you're going to do during this time of invitation, Lord Jesus, but we ask that you move. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's a decision you need to make, you come. If you need to come trust in Jesus, you come. Join this church, you come. If you need to come kneel at this altar, you come. If you need to go to somebody, you go.
let's, let's just allow the Spirit to move during this time of invitation. Um, let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and as the Lord leads us, let's be obedient.